0: Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Numbers today. We'll be looking at Numbers chapter 21 and a little bit into chapter 22. Um, We're going to see Israel now on the march trying to make their way into the promised land uh, of Canaan. And they had tried to advance before without God's authorization and failed. Uh, But now... um, there uh, and then Moses and then Aaron was punished because of his lack of faith. So um, and he he died. So it looks like um, um, their chief priest is gone now. What are they going to do? And Eleazar his son is taking over. But uh, so we'll jump right in chapter twenty one and see now what is going to happen when the Canaanite, uh, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negeb, heard that Israel was coming by way of. Ah uh, he fought against Israel and vowed uh, and took some of them captive, and Israel vowed a to the Lord, and said, If you will indeed give this people into my hand, then I will devote their cities to destruction. So in other words, we're going to destroy these cities in your name if if you will just hand these people over to us And the Lord heeded the voice of Israel and gave over the Canaanites, and they devoted. Them and their cities to destruction. So the name of the place was called Horma. And um, so that's a big victory for them. They're calling on the name of the Lord first, and not trying to do it on their own. Verse four from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom, because they they uh, were refused passage there. And so the people spoke against god and against moses like they're grumbling again why have you brought us uh, up from out of egypt to die in the wilderness it's the same old complaint every time isn't it for there is no food and no water we loathe this worthless food you know they don't like the manna that god is even providing for them and then the lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Now, the people now are acknowledging their own sin. They're acknowledging their own sin against the Lord. I mean, they ask for things. God gives it to them. God gives gives them protection and manna. But yet, they do the same old complaining thing. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Now, what's this all about? Well. McGee teaches it's faith. You look. You look to it in faith. And if you're looking at it and sees it, you know, and you're believing, this is what God is telling you to do. God is telling them, look to me in faith. Now, Jesus um, compared this serpent on a pole. He compared it to him being lifted up on a cross, being lifted up. And we see that, I believe, in John chapter 3, um, verse 14 and 15. So Jesus is comparing this to himself. We see again so many things pointing to Jesus from the Old Testament. And this is one of them, another reference to Jesus. He's the king, he's the King of Kings, He's the chief priest, He is the, the sacrifice who covers everything. He's the Chief sacrifice. He's the chief priest. He's the chief prophet. He is the chief um um savior here. And so um, we get this here. And so then the people, verse ten, set out. Of Israel, set out and camped in Oboth. And then um, from there they dropping down to verse thirteen, they set out and camped on the other side of the Arnon which is in the wilderness that extends from the border of the Amorites. And they continued to beer, that is, well of which the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together so that I may give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, sing to it, the well that the princes made, that the nobles of the people dug with their scepter, with their staffs. So, Um, The people are celebrating now that they're moving along and God is providing water to them. So um, we kind of see um, uh, references to their journey here. And so then we come to verse 21. uh, Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, let me pass through your land. We will not turn aside into the field or the vineyard. In other words, we're not going to mess with your land. We will not drink the well, the water of a well. We will go by the king's highway until we have um, uh, passed through the territory, his territory. Um, And um, so Israel is respectfully asking if they can just pass through this land. So this king, in 23, but Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. He gathered all his people together and went out against Israel to the wilderness and came to Jehaz and fought against Israel. And Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword. And down to verse 25, and Israel took all these cities, and Israel settled in the cities of the Amorites in Heshbon and its villages. So, again, we see more references to Israel passing through, and they kind of get, at this point now, victory after victory after victory. And we see another example of this in verse 31. And Israel lived in the land of the Amorites, and Moses sent out to spy uh, out Jazer, and they captured its villages and depossessed the Amorites who were there. Uh, Then they turned and went up, by the way, to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against them, he and all his people, to battle at Ideri. But the Lord said to Moses, Don't fear him, for I have given him into your hand, and all his people, and his land. And you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. So they defeated him, and his sons, and all his people, until he had no survivor left, and they possessed his land. Okay? Victory after victory after victory as they call on the name of the Lord. Now we come to verse 22, and we see, um, as McGee says, a curious fellow in, in the person of Balaam. Is he a true prophet, or is he a con man prophet, a false prophet? Is he a lame prophet like Balaam? Who knows? But we're going to check him out. Uh, Chapter 22, Then the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan at Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was in great dread because of the people, because they were many. Moab was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde will now look up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, Balak the son of Zippor, uh, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Pithor, which is near the river in the land of the people of Ammon, to him saying, Behold, the people has come out to Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, in their dwelling, and they are dwelling to oppose me. So, he's going to say in verse 6, Come out now and curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. So, this king, Balak, is asking Balaam to make a curse on the nation Israel. Alright, so, it's probably for money, and we're going to see what happens. So, we're going to stop here, and we'll continue tomorrow through uh, this book of Numbers to see what new drama awaits us. So, as always, from me to all of you, keep your heart centered on Christ. God bless you all, and we'll see you here next time. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host, Enzami and Mitali. Mitali. I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing you in your study today.
1: So today's teaching is coming from Numbers chapter 21, beginning at verse 1 all the way through to Numbers chapter 22, verses 1 through to verse 5. In chapter 20, that was in yesterday's study, we saw that this was the end of the wilderness march in the sense that the wandering is over now and they will begin to march for the first time and there is victory. So scripture reads, verse 1 of Numbers 21, The king of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Atharim. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. Verse 2, so Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. Verse 3, And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormah. Verse 4, Then they journeyed from mount hor by the way of the red sea to go around the land of edom and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way so this is the first victory here of the wilderness march and god gave them this victory and now um they have to go around actually they have to go by mount hor in the way of the red sea and they can't go through the land of edom Because uh, the Edomites, the king of Edom has said they can't pass through Edom. So they are now considering to go around it, which is a little bit further. And as they do, they actually get discouraged and they start to complain again. And this here, them complaining, is a reflection of us today. We love to complain. We lose faith and foresight of God and God's plan and God can do um, wonders and miracles, and God is always there as long as we put him first, as long as we're in the will of God, uh, God will look upon his children and will, you know, will, he will be our guide, he will be our savior, he actually is our savior, and, um, so instead of actually having that faith in God, we tend to just, you know, lose faith and lose foresight and start to complain. Verse 8, 5, sorry, goes on to read. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loads this worthless bread. So this is the eighth and last murmuring of the children of Israel, and they are again complaining about the manna. You know, manna was good food. It had all the nutrients, it, tastes, it wasn't tasting bad, and even if they ate the same food, um, in the book of Deuteronomy, it actually says, was it Deuteronomy? Yes, I think, um, it actually says, you know, their legs did not swell, so they did not suffer from um, beriberi disease where if you constantly eat the same food every day, you lack other nutrients and your legs will begin to swell. But man, was nutritious. So today, it's so easy for us to actually complain about the things of God. And not about the worldly things. So you find people in church will go in church and they'll complain about, any, about everything. No, the pastor is boring. The hymn books are tattered. The chairs, the seats are too hard and all. But if it comes to worldly things, like if people have to go, like the example that Dr. J.V. McGee gave, if people have to go to a football match and it lasts seven hours, or they say, for example, they're going for a tennis match that lasts hours and hours, people will sit on those hard chairs in the harsh weather and not complain. So we tend to complain a lot about the things of God so we don't take time to actually thank him for his goodness and these people the lord provided for them you know he was um a a, a cloud by day and um a fire by night and he was guiding them throughout protecting them and he provided food for them in the form of manna but they still complained and not and he was there for them he was protecting them but they did not see all that, and they decided to complain and not thank him for his goodness. Scripture goes on to read verse six. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, "We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray for, the, pray to the Lord that He take away the serpents from us." So Moses prayed for the people. So the Lord. The Lord's getting actually tired of their complaints. And he judges them. This is a form of judgment that is sent upon them. And this actually brought um, to them... He actually, sorry, uh, brought to them that... You know, actually, they realize... Yeah, that's what I mean to say. They realize that they were actually sinners. So they, 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 and, and, And you know, with God, this is how you actually begin with him. By actually admitting... You are a sinner. And this is the only way. You can't go uh, begin with God by saying, I am a child of God because I am a church member. Or because I do good works and good deeds. No, you actually admit that you're a sinner. That's the only way to God. So God wants us to begin with him. Christ died for our sins because he loved us. Because he loved us, the sinners. So he became sin for us and shed his blood on the cross because he loved us and we are all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 5 goes on to read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So here, you know, they will have to give the evidence of faith as they haven't any good works in them. No one has good works or good deeds. You know, all our good works are filthy rags to God. So God's going to let them come to him by faith. And it's by them looking, not just by looking at that pole, but look, at that fiery serpent, that uh, the brazen um, serpent that Moses actually made. It's by having the faith, looking up to that serpent. So today we look up to God in faith. To actually forgive us our sins. Verse 9 goes on to read. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So they are to look at the brazen serpent, the bronze serpent, in faith and live. And this is a good lesson for us today. We are to actually turn to God in faith. And trust in him and believe him and just put all our trust in him. So the Son of God was lifted up. He died for our sins. Jesus Christ was made sin for us. So he took our place on that cross. He took Barabbas' place on that cross. Not only Barabbas' cross, but all um all of us, he took his place on our behalf. So God permitted this to happen because he loved us. So he can't just save us by his love. No, he actually had to give a sacrifice. So he gave his son. That's how he saved us. He gave his only son. And all he's asking us to do is to actually look to Christ and live just as the Israelites were asked to look to the brazen serpent and live and look to it in faith. So dropping down to verse 13. Verse 13 goes on to read. From there they moved and camped at the other side of the Arnon which is in the wilderness that extends from the border of the Amorites to the Arnon from the Amorites for the Arnon is the border of Moab between Moab and the Amorites so here the children of Israel now moved on from where they were from they were at Kadesh is it yes the last time in verse 20 they were Okay, and now they are moving into the land of the Moabites. So dropping down to verse 16, it reads, From there they went to Beir, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together, and I will give them water. So that is, you know, the well where the Lord spoke unto Moses. Verse 17 goes on to read, Then Israel sang the song, Spring up, O oh well, all of you sing to, to it. So, here, this is the first time that they have sung a song and they pray, you know, sang a song of praise and thanksgiving. So, they are um, thanking God for the provision that He's actually made for them. In supplying water, just eighteen percent to read. The well, the leaders sank dug by the nation's nobles by the lawgiver, with their staves. So the princes, and the nobles, amongst them are the ones that dug the well. So here we have capital and labor joined together in this, and if you know we actually follow along. In the rest of this particular chapter, the Lord gave them a victory over Sihon. So the king of the Amor that's the king of the Amorites. So Sihon didn't want them to go to pass through his borders, but they will pass through them. And then after this, the king of the Moab Moab Moabites actually didn't want to let them come through because God but God actually gave them a victory over Moab. So now we'll come to verse 22. And you know, verse 22, actually, from, sorry, not verse 22, chapter 22. So, you know, from chapter 22 to 25, we have the story of uh, hmm. Balaam. Yes. And, you know, he was a, 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 an egg. Sorry. And it. An enigmatic and mysterious character, and we have a couple of these characters in the Bible. You know, they just—you can't really explain like their intent, but they're just there. You know, they're very mysterious, and and this is the case with Balaam, this prophet Balaam. You know, some people argue he was a righteous man, and you know, um, and others say he was just a religious racketeer. So, verse one. Of chapter twenty two reads, then the child, the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho, so now they are actually ready to enter the land. Verse two, goes on to read, now Balak the son of Zippor saw all all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of. The people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of a field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites. At that time, then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Petho which is near the river, in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, "Look at peop! Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth, and are settling next to me, to." So, Balak is, in, you know, a sad state, because he saw so around him, you know, his, the other kingdoms and kings were defeated, so he wants to know what he actually should do. So he, sh- um, so he actually sends for Balaam, and we're gonna continue to find out what kind of character this Balaam prophet was and it's going to be up to us to actually judge if Balaam was just a religious rocketeer or he was actually just genuine. So this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you and have a pleasant day. Bye. -bye.